fucking all right. We're getting through it. All right. Damien Sorenzo, what's up, buddy? What's going on, man? How are you, man? Good. Thanks so, for having me, bro. Of course, dude. Thanks for coming on. So you're coming in from Connecticut? Yeah, man. We briefly just spoke about how I went to UConn. Yes. Do you have I a did. lot of friends who went to UConn? You grew up in Connecticut? No, I'm from Jersey originally. Where in Jersey? Uh, so I grew up in North Bergen, Jersey City, that area, Hudson County. Okay. Not, not a part people usually go to visit. What, Journal Square? Uh, yeah, I mean, now it's... Well, that's Hudson's, Hudson County. Yeah, yeah. But Dude, I mean, now so, it's nicer. Where right. So um, I used to work in my dad's company, and a ton of my time, I'd say like half the week, was spent out in Journal Square. Okay. So I used to take the path train from, what, 14th to 9th to Christopher to Newport, then Grove Street, then Journal Square. That's so right. I'm familiar with that route. And people are always pretty impressed when I... Well, Mention I mean, that. yeah, Are you yeah. Impressed? yeah, I'll give you a little bit. Of <laughs> so I was, um, I spent the first six weeks of my life in New Brunswick, okay. uh, New Jersey. My dad yeah. was working at Fresh TGI Fridays. And then my dad and my mom, like six weeks later, both got jobs in the city and haven't left except for when I went to Yukon. How'd you like Yukon? Hers you know, a big party school. I mean, you know, it's, it. it's so different than growing Cause I grew up in the city. Right. So it was like complete 180. I didn't really expect it to be as different as it was, but right. I wanted to play tennis at like a high division one level or Otherwise, like the sports programs were at a high level, like the tennis team was some of probably like the worst athletic program at the school. But I just wanted the notoriety of like the basketball because we wanted like freshman and senior year when I was there in college. I'm 31. Okay. So 2010 and then 2014, we won it. But like that was my whole goal. I just wanted to go to... UConn because of the sports scene. Were that's you like? I, were you involved in? Yeah, the, so that's why I went to Quinnipiac. Same thing. I went to Quinnipiac oh, for. Yeah. I was like, I wanted to walk on for a Division One program. We actually played UConn my sophomore year, and it was insane. Like, yeah. Just, oh wait, in basketball? Yeah, they had like four guys that went to the NBA. I bet. Was, what year was that? Two thousand two. Yeah. They so had, what was, was that? Like Mecca Okafer, Okafer. Oh ben my Gordon, god, Karan dude. Butler. We won it, was, it in two thousand one. Yeah. It was. It was. It was because we played you guys in tennis and like we, I think, barely squeaked by. But like well, you yeah. guys have great hockey, right? Yeah, hockey, girls and, and guys hockey. And then um, there was something else they were pretty good at. I didn't pay attention. Once I stopped playing ball, I just was enjoying college. Just up. Did you uh, you have plans to like walk on to the team fully when you went there? Yeah, I kind of I kind of figured I was gonna. Um, I mean, I had a bunch of like division two and three offers, but like I wanted to go D one. Yeah, dude, that was like kind of like yeah. me too. Like, but you, it was you wanted so it for D one. It was like a job, and then I was like, I'm not doing this shit. Like, I don't want to. I can curse on this, right? Yeah, dude. Okay. Of course, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't, you sign like this thick con. You know, it is you sign that like contract is like this thick about like you know your your appearance and all your name and stuff you don't get paid off anything they do and no well bro for tennis it was a little bit different though because like we really did not bring any money into the school like we were fully reliant on the football team winning the basketball team bringing in thousands of people uh you know per game or per match whatever it was like we kind of cost the athletic program money you know, if, now oh, that I think okay. about it, just because if we were to go out to San Diego, play a few matches, there's no money coming in from that. It's just you're sending 12 kids on a plane board, to San Diego, yeah. room and board, feeding them Subway twice a day. And nothing, so, yeah. yeah, the only thing that we were really doing, and I'm not saying that like I was a huge part of this, but like a lot of kids on the tennis team had a high GPA. So uh, like it made the athletic program look good. So you didn't you know, have a high GPA? I didn't have the highest, dude, until I, like, figured out, like, how the college system worked and, like, how easy it is to cheat in the classes you don't want to freaking learn. Dude, I, oh, my God. My GPA was, like, 1.9 my freshman year because I just didn't want to take any of those core classes. Yeah, dude. And college is hard if you're seriously not cheating because I don't give a shit about any of those subjects. You just find the professors that don't give a shit. There's so many professors that don't care. They're just like, yeah, go ahead. Just 
get out of here and go on to the next one. It must have been a little bit harder though when you were going to college, right? Did you like have people? The way who, that you said that made me sound so much. I didn't older mean it like you. that, bro. I, like, I didn't mean it like shot. that, dude. Like, I, I meant it, dude. I meant it like they have like ratemyprofessor.com. I feel like as soon as I started going to college, so like before that, how did you even know who was good and who was bad? I mean, it's just word of mouth. Like people would just talk. Hey, no, you want right, to take right. this philosophy class? You want to take this computer class? Yeah. Like, so where did you go to high school? You in uh, Jersey or Connecticut? Two high schools in Jersey. So I went to Burton Catholic for two years. Fucking hated it. It was just oh, oh damn because it's so all bros much. not even that it's just the kind, <laughs> the kind of bros they were like i didn't oh yeah i didn't come from where they came from there was it was you know it was just not was good. it like dress code too you'd wear a little yeah, tie I have, I have a problem with dress codes too dude but, come on look at us right now yeah of course we do i, I mean jeans it's just like on uncomfortable just yeah like, that's actually nice dude I, I do appreciate that's for you that's nice dude i can't wear jeans anymore especially i feel like i don't know i saw um a clip so shout out tori cole a uh, former guest on the pod she was like oh, no, how could you how could you be relaxing in jeans which I agree with, dude. Like, how do you wrong. sit down and like? It's just because your bottom half is uncomfortable. I'm in sweats ninety five percent of the time, but yeah. for you, I wore jeans. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Well, Try I to... found like a, a nice Amazon pair that it's like thirty dollars, so I have like four of them now. So yeah. like, these are like the only pants I wear. But anyway, <laughs> t- talk about the Bergen County, and then um, so Bergen Catholic, and then I transferred Catholic. to Paramus Catholic. And I was at Paramus Catholic till I graduated. So your family was like pretty religious or it was just like a good no, school? No, my mom just assumed that Catholic school was better than, than public school. Well, North Bergen it was like public a, school was kind of rough. Okay. And it was, it's like a few thousand dollars too for Catholic school. Yeah, so like but you figure it's it might just, be it's better. It's different problems. It's I mean, in the public schools in my town it was weed, but in the Catholic schools it's Coke. So it's just they had... Mm. Different problems. More money. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was different problems. <laughs> it was the same shit, just different problems. <laughs> what about the other high school? Uh, but I mean, they're both same thing. Burton Catholic and Paramus Catholic had the same. Yeah, Catholic, it was just type it was just Paramus had girls, which was nice. It's fresh. Yeah. Did nice. you get in trouble in high school? Oh, all the time. I had. You did, you've done security like, before previously. I did. So were you like beating kids up in high school? Or no, I, I'm not a. It's so funny you say that. I'm not a fighter, but I literally got into a fight last night. Like I got friggin' Oh shit! There Zoom and, that. And what do you mean? Oh damn! Yeah, dude, it wasn't even my fault. I literally. So I was I was at the cellar last night. Whatever. Left, I had to stop and get gas. So I stopped at some gas station in the Bronx. Fucking mistake. Uh, right before you got on 95? Yeah, yeah. So I just stopped in the Bronx, and I wasn't wearing a jacket. And it was cold as shit last night. Yeah. So I'm filling up, and this guy walked by my car who also wasn't wearing a jacket. All I said to him was, oh, shit, I thought I was the only crazy one. Oh, he was shit. hammered. I didn't know he was hammered. So he and heard he was driving? Crazy. No, no, he was walking into the little convenience store part of the thing. So he heard me say crazy. He thought I was calling him crazy. And he came at me. I'm like, dude, let's not do this. Like, I'm literally, you know when you play tag with kids? Like, you're circling an object so they can't catch you. There's, like, something in between you guys. And it was the car, like, right? Yeah, so I'm circling the car. I'm like, dude, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, I, I'm what tired. What time was this, dude? dude? it was, like, I don't know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, so, finally, I stop walking. He catches me, rips my fucking shirt. Like, that's where I came from. So, we started scuffling. You and have a picture from your shirt? What? No, I don't. You don't have any pictures from last night? No, I just, I did not. Sorry, sorry. Damn, for we were going to pop it up right here, dude. If, if but, you uh, did, but yeah, so I ended up, like, I picked him up and slammed him on the ground. He got knocked out, and his girlfriend started screaming like I was killing him. I'm like, Jesus. So I just got in my car and left. I was like, I can't deal with this. But then I, you know, my fucking scratches and my. But that, did that bring you back to your security guard? Yeah, I mean, it's our gigs. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, I, we try, you try not to fight. It's not, I yeah. mean, some guys like it. I don't enjoy fighting, right. you, you know, because even when you win, you lose kind of thing. Like you're, and you end up being hurt. You punch somebody, it hurts. I don't know how many fights you've been in. No, but. dude, really not that many, to yeah. be honest. Not to sound soft. I'll start swinging, <laughs> but it just hasn't happened yet. Now, when I've been in the I've pushed, I've shoved guys. Oh, before. the shoving match, yeah, yeah. The shove, but like never. Well, never when you get, swing. when you've been in enough fights, the yeah. shoving match doesn't last long because you just throw the first punch to not wait for them to throw the 
first bunch. Right. Kind of just. But theoretically, like it would just end after a shove or two. Yeah, yeah. And like maybe but, people break it up, but like never really swung. Yeah. Have you had any like memorable having to kick people out of a bar? Or I know you've worked with celebs before. I don't know how much you could talk about it, but I know like security guards, once they stop working with the celeb, it's, you know, it doesn't yeah, matter. I mean, anymore, my, unless you sign an NDA. You know, no, I didn't. We, uh, I mean, one of the craziest ones we were working, it was a uh, Lloyd Banks detail. And he had, he had a whole, he had a whole <laughs> For the people who don't know Lloyd Banks. Oh, yeah, he's a rapper. Yeah, he's a rapper. Sorry, I don't know how white, how Caucasian boy. your audience <laughs> yes, is. Yes, slightly. Know. They're like, Lloyd Banks, yeah. the accountant? <laughs> Ted Jones' tennis people. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, my tennis instructor, Lloyd Banks. Um, yeah, so we were just doing a security deal for him. And... Uh, after the show, so there's a is a fifty cents boy. Yeah, in the basement of this place was the green room, and he didn't want to be bothered. So this is at, where was this by the way? Toad's place in New Haven, Connecticut. And um, <laughs> they always they got a lot of big people like on the way up. They had Kanye. We had done that. They got a lot of. But anyway, so the basement of the green room, they don't want to be bothered. So me and like three other security guys were down there, and then like Lloyd Banks people, whoever that crew is. So, sorry, you were working for Toad's place at the time, yeah. not okay. And then uh. Yeah, they, his people came down. They, they decided that they wanted to get in the room. We said no, and this whole melee happens. We're, like, beating each other up in this little hallway, and someone screams out, yo, get the strap. So once the cops heard that from upstairs, they just pepper sprayed the whole hallway. We all got it, just, and it cleared us out. It was just ridiculous. Like, I was like, this oh, we're like going to before the show? This was after he was done performing. They wanted to come hang out with him after the show. But, I mean, it's just, they're all the same shit. Every fight story is the same. Like, someone right, right, does right. something stupid. Somebody else puts their hands on somebody or it feels disrespected and then just escalates to a place where it doesn't need to be, you know. That typically ha- is how, I think, fights start when a man feels disrespected. Just in general. Like, right. from a girl, too, you know. Yeah, it's, it, but it's, girls are the worst. <laughs> Women are the worst. Breaking up female, and then, you know, I was a bounty hunter, right? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did that for years. So, <laughs> Give us the fucking juice, no. The women are the worst. Like they, so if you ever see men fight, usually like when one guy knocks another one down, he stands there and like, are right, you done? Like yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Women pounce when the girls on the ground and just keep going. So like, hold the hair. Yeah, just trying to get women to stop is insane. They don't give a fuck. It's crazy. And do they teach you kind of how to deal with breaking off two women as a male? No, it's, there's no difference. I mean, you just... And there's no real, like, textbook on how to be a no. bouncer in a fight like that. No. Who the shit's calling you? They're on the podcast. Sorry. I'm Hello. On it's, a fam- it's a family uh, It's a family call. God, I'm Don't so Don't worry terrible. about it, bro. I'm Don't so worry about terrible. it. We'll keep this in, actually, so they know... So everybody watching and listening knows how... Rude I am? Freaking, no, how clean we keep it, bro. <laughs> How uh, uncensored or whatever. But anyways. Like yeah, so no, women are the worst. And like trying to handcuff somebody one-on-one is like. Oh, handcuffed. Well, yeah, if you're arresting them, you got to take them back. Right. So. Do you have a gun license? Yep. Yeah, a pistol permit. Strapped right now? No. Okay. Phew. No, I felt like I was you're safe like, in you your brought, Yeah, right. You brought jeans <laughs> and the gun. Yeah, yeah. I forgot I'm to mention that. Good in your neighborhood. Yeah, dude. But uh, no, like I said, man, it's all the it's all the same shit. It's just stupid. Women are the worst when it comes to fighting. Men usually just give up. Like, all right, you got me. Let's just go. Do you, uh, so what happened after college? You like moved back to New no, Haven? No, so I never, no, I, so I didn't want to, I didn't want to come back to New Jersey. I wanted to stay out there. So I, so I was still doing security. And then I was uh, working like as a delivery guy for some deli. Thought I was going to be a cop. I went and got my criminal justice degree. Yeah, I was going to ask also, because like, you don't really like to fight. Were you saying that? Or security guards aren't supposed to fight? No, no, I don't like to fight. I but just, I feel like being a cop, like you can you can fight a lot more, right? And like, I mean, it's not such a big deal. I think the better cops learn how to, like, obviously they're shitheads in every profession, but I think the better ones learn how to talk to people and try to de-escalate things, which is something I was always good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought I was going to be a cop. 
um, and I was working at this deli, and this guy used to come in all the time. Shout out Rob Macchio. Um, he was a private investigator, a bounty hunter, and a bail bondsman. Oh, dope. And I just thought it was cool as shit. I was that always, is cool. I was always was he always wearing him. shades and shit? No, he was, but he would come in strapped and stuff. Like, it was cool. <laughs> dope. So we would talk a lot. And then I was like, yo, I'm interested. Like, maybe I'll do this for a little bit before I start my adult life. You know, like, I didn't. How old were you at that time? 21, 22. Okay. So I wasn't trying to, like, hop into the workforce right away. I was yeah. trying to enjoy life a little bit. So he was like, yeah, we'll figure something out. So one day, this is how I got started. I got out of uh, the deli, and he pulled up in his van. He's like, hey, get in. I'm like, where are we going? He's like, don't worry, I'll tell you. So I was like, all right. So I got in the van. We drove to this college. I don't even remember. It's a small one. And uh, he parks in front of the college. He goes, all right, listen, there's this teacher here called Dr. Vega. She's teaching class here, but she's taking leave or sick time or something from another school to work here. So she's getting double, she's double dipping. The other school wants proof that she's teaching here so they can stop paying her and they can fire her. He's like, you got a half hour. Get out. So I get out of the van, walk into school, trying to figure out what the fuck I'm going to do. Did you have camera, cell phone camera? I had my phone. That was it. So I walk in. I don't know how to find this woman. I don't know anything, right? Do you know what she looks like? Nope. So I walk in. There was a girl who had her back turned. She was talking to her friends. Her book bag was on the floor. So I went in and scooped up her book bag when she wasn't looking. I went into the registrar's office. I said, hey, my girlfriend's really sick, and I need to drop her Spanish paper off to Dr. Vega. I was like, um, I just don't know where to find her. I don't go to the school, but I really want to help my girlfriend out. I don't want her to fail. Today's the deadline. Is how can you, know, can you help me out? So the registrar lady goes, yeah, no problem. You're so sweet. Whatever pulls all the shit up. Gives me the full list of classes that she teaches. And she happened to be teaching one at that moment. I said, oh, how do I get to this one? She gave me directions. Went to the class. Took pictures with my cell phone from the door. And then went into the library. Dropped off the book bag and said, hey, some woman... Some girl left this. I don't. I don't know whose it is. Whatever. But I don't want it to get lost. And then hope they got it back to her. And then I left. So that was just a. Was he testing you yeah. with like a PI yeah. type of situation? Yeah. Just kind of wanted to see what I could come wow. up with. Wow. Whatever happened to Doctor Vega? She got fired. A freaking doctor doing that type of shit too? Yeah, man. It's fucked. Greed. Yeah. Wants if, and if she's not in the, if she's not in the med- medical office, right? Those who can't do, teach, right? That's what they say. That's fucked up. Damn, dude. So what? What was the process there going forward? You were working for this guy for Yeah, so then uh, he helped me um, get my bail enforcement license, which is bounty hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he used me for a lot of PI stuff, which was easy money, but it's always insane. It's always like someone wants to find out such and such is cheating on right. them, but there's so never enough proof. Were you just sitting sometimes in the car for eight hours at a time? We've done drinking some, we coffee? Did, oh, God, we did. A, there was this uh, <laughs> finance guy in Greenwich, Connecticut. Yeah. Um, who was, he got into something with the Russians or something like that. So we had to sit and guard his house when him and his family were inside, like oh, overnight shit. and stuff. So he hired you guys? To yeah, sit. but I wasn't... That's the thing. See, here's the thing about this kind of shit, right? Most people that get hired for this stuff don't give a fuck about the client. Like, if if six Russians pulled up with guns and wanted to go kill the guy, that's where he lives. Have fun. I'm not getting shot for some dude. Right, but you think that. it's just the, the like the guy who lived in Greenwich. It's just like his thought process and like his he's more comfortable with somebody well, sitting just, outside. Yeah, potentially, I think he, well, I think like he assumed, dog. Yeah, I think he assumed I would do something. Right, there's a limit. Like I'm not losing my life because you're a moron. I'm not doing that. So that's why I don't do it anymore. Damn. Any crazy stories though from being a bounty hunter? Yeah, I mean, a uh, couple. There was one guy that uh, I tracked down in Connecticut. Um, I did a lot by myself. I was just, I don't know why. But you were working for that guy, though? So the, the way that it works is bail bonds companies hired you. So okay, a bail bonds company would contract with you to go get the guy. So we would just work together. But I could get different contracts. Because they weren't paying bills, potentially? Yeah. So basically, uh, 
A plus bail bonds decides like one well, doesn't decide, but they have a guy that's on the run. They contact me because of reputation, like, hey, we need you to go track this guy down and bring yeah. him in. We'll pay you ten percent of whatever his bond is. So that's how we knew we were getting paid. Uh, so I tracked this guy down to uh, Waterbury, Connecticut, knocked on the doors by myself. Mom answered. Mom, the girlfriend answered, and I was like, hey, is such and such here? And she's like, yeah, he's actually asleep on the couch. And I was just, I wasn't on it that day, so I walked in, I, and I, he's on the couch. I walk over, I kick the couch, and he wakes up. I said, hey, man. You got to go. Let's go. I have my badge out and my cuffs in the hand. And he was just looking at me. And I'm like, bro, come on. Let's not make it a thing. Like, let's just go. He looks around me and goes. And I look behind me. Two of his friends were sleeping on the other couch. I didn't even see him because I was just so not paying attention. So they stood up. And he looked at me. And he goes, you, th- you still think I'm going? So I put my hand on my gun. Pull my gun in front of me like this. And I had a, I had a. I had a laser sight on this gun, a 9mm Smith & Wesson. That's a fancy gun, right? Not really. It just The laser sight sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. That's so I had that, <laughs> and uh, I picked it up, and I kind of pointed it so the laser was at him. And I was like, look, they're going to get me, but I promise I'm going to get you first. Who's there going to get me? His friends that were behind me. We're going like, to like try and beat you out? 100%. I was like, they're going to get me. 100% they're going to get me. But I'm going to get you first. So you're ready to just take him out right there? Yeah. I was like, well, I don't Ooh, know if I really would have, but it was right. one of those things where I needed him to believe that I would have. I'm, just, like, I'm just trying to think of like how a bail bondsman office has the authority to hire somebody like you, and then you have the authority to potentially kill them. How so, does that work? Well, again, I, the killing part was great. I, I needed him to believe I was going to kill him. Right. Uh, but so basically when you get bonded out, you sign this contract with the bail bonds company, and then you're waiving a lot of your rights. Like I can like they can kick in the door. Whatever, like they don't need, we have more authority. You with can skips. kick in the door theoretically. Yeah. yeah. Like we have more authority with people who are on the run when they sign that thing than the cops. Like the cops have to wait for judges to give them warrants and stuff. Once they sign that, I can kick in any door that they're in. I don't need warrants like that. And it's because the bail bondsmen, once they give out a certain amount of money to a criminal, they have the criminal sign like a bunch of different papers yes, saying that paperwork this, this, allows this, them this, to this. hire us to then. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, but in certain, some states, it's weird. Like in New York, you have to be licensed, but in New Jersey, you didn't. You could just be anybody. Like you could have went to New Jersey, picked up the paperwork. Oh my God, like, dude. Right. And I've, I just started watching Sopranos for the first time ever, dude. So go. I'm watching all this freaking crazy shit Make going some, on in New Jersey. Make some contacts out there. Yeah, you know, dude. Exactly. I mean, I need to. If you come freaking, uh, come knock on my door, dude. All right. So what happened from this point? Uh, so yeah. So I just pointed at him and I told him, I was like, they're going to get me, but I'm going to get you first. So yeah. how bad do you not want to go to jail? And then he looked at the laser and went, looked at his friends and went, Sat him back down. Oh my gosh, dude, that's some boss ass shit, yeah. though. Besides the cool. fact he that he owed like, like a lot of money, how old was the guy? I was only in his twenties. Oh really? I was only in his twenties. Fresh. So you ended up taking him to jail? Yeah. yeah. Damn man, like, that was back when we were busy, man. I mean, in one year, I think we did seven hundred arrests or something like that. Whoa. Yeah, it was crazy. And that was for like yourself. You did seven hundred arrests yeah. with your company. Me and, me and the guys that I was with. Wow, bro. Arrests. So why did you stop doing that? Uh. Get tired of fighting. Like I put my hand through windows. I got scars and shit. It's just not. You get to a point where it's not steady money. There's no benefits. There's no insurance. There's Why no is nothing. that not steady money though? If you said you did seven hundred and one. Because year. the cases you only it's commission based. So unless I catch somebody, I don't get paid. So you don't know if you're going to catch people. You hope you catch people, but it doesn't always work that way. Some months are great and you catch a shit ton of people. Some months are bad. You know, so you can't really, you know, you have to, it's good in a way because you learn how to save, but like it just, it wasn't worth it, man. How deep did you go into potentially being um, a police officer? Not at all. Because what happened was after I had my bounty hunting license, um, the business started to change. So I got my bail bonds license and bail bonds are people that take the people out of jail. Uh, and I started doing that. So I'm making some good money doing that. Um, and then if I wanted to become a cop, I'd have to get rid of that. 
and I didn't want to get rid of and lose that money. So that's how I became a firefighter. Okay. And the difference between firefighters and cops, is there really as much animosity as people may think? No. I mean, sometimes it's <laughs> stupid. Like cops try to do our job sometimes. Okay. But like it's, it's really just. What's the, what's the breakdown kind of with a 911 call? Yes, it goes to the operator's office and then they kind of decide because they have to send the cops every time, right? Most calls the cops get sent to. Most calls the cops get sent to. It's um, the cops and then it would be potentially an ambulance or a fire truck? Usually that's what happens. At least one officer, uh, one engine, and then an ambulance for a medical call. If it's a car accident, same thing. Yeah. Um, fire, the ambulance gets added later. It just depends. But usually those are the three things that end up going to majority of the calls. Putting out fires in the future, I mean, it's something that you know affects people every single day. Do you think that there are more things that are coming into fire departments that will allow... Um, I don't know, kind of like an update of how you guys put out fires, you know, like a drone type, something like that. I, mean, I, I don't think know how much playing, you can talk about that. Yeah, I mean, they're playing with stuff like that, but I think ultimately you still need uh, boots on the ground, for lack of a better expression, because decisions need to be made. Um, you know, if there's people in there for rescue, medical treatment, and right. all that kind of stuff. Uh, but they've already made like big advances. Like there's a lot of buildings, it's harder for them to burn down now because of early notification and sprinkler systems have been updated and all that kind of stuff. So has a lot changed since you started working in the fire department. Um, we're getting better equipment that, uh, allows us to do more stuff easily. Is that like suit type of equipment? Suit, suits are better. Not since I started. I mean, the suits have been pretty much the same, the, uh, the turnout gear and all that. Uh Um, but like extrication equipment, like cutting people out of cars. Now they have Uh, battery powered ones. So you're not, you know, you don't have this big core to contend with. You know, they're lighter They're I mean, there's a lot of different things. Have you ever saved anyone's life? Like off the top of your head? I have. Let's fucking go, dude. (laughs) By the way, Damien is um, a hilarious comic. Oh yeah. As as you can tell uh, by the title of this video, but um, you know, sometimes it's just nice to just dig into somebody's life and like, what the shit do you do besides comedy that I know you for? Uh, Damien and I met, at Hannah Burner's show in... Stress Factory in Connecticut. In Bridgeport, Connecticut at the Stress Factory. And that was a great time. And I, Damien was just a nice guy. He was like chilling in the back with us. And oh, dude, oh my God. Remember that wasted girl came in the back, started yeah, that, taking pics with that, Hannah? The owner of the club let go back there. Oh, know, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know that part. But oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we were back there and like I had to organize it out. I was playing... It was Damien and I were playing bodyguards. It was yeah. fresh. Pretty much. It was fresh. But anyway, what were we talking about? Before I really interrupted. <laughs> I don't even talking remember. Talking about your occupation. Um, fire department yeah bro saving lives so tell us about that uh i don't know i mean i've had some <laughs> a story in particular uh the getting the stories out of you today yeah. dude. the uh most recent one that uh was pretty cool was there was a newborn baby that was born into a toilet premature oh did she know she was pregnant she knew she was pregnant uh, i forgot how many weeks it was it was i mean baby was fucking tiny how many um, pounds if you can quantify I mean, honestly three if that i mean it was it was tiny uh, so I was born into a toilet at a doctor's office because she was there. For, she was Three. having trouble. And um, myself and this uh, EMT, uh, we ended up basically giving the baby CPR, like two-person CPR, all the way to the hospital, keeping it alive, keeping did, it breathing. Did the baby have fully formed um, parts, like ears yeah, and it eyes? Had very, and like it was, it was mouth. fully formed, but not fully grown for term purposes. So like it still okay. had to sit in the mouth and nose, eyes. But uh, I wasn't crying or anything. So, but we were just doing whatever we could to keep it alive all the way to the hospital. Oh my gosh! Got it to the hospital, handed it over to the the doctors, and yeah. like I'm not too proud to say this shit, man. The minute we handed that baby over, me and the EMT bawled crying, just started Dude, crying. What? I mean, that's I, I mean, it's, it would be tough to manage your emotions yeah. in a situation like and that, then, bro. Uh, Especially you're a dad too, right? Yeah, dude, come on. 
Well, that's why. Come I, on, don't give yourself <laughs> a little bit more credit there. Saving a life and then balling afterwards. But yeah, we got it to the doctor and then they transferred over to Yale and the baby survived. That's and they, dude. They that'd be. Do- I just got chills. That'd be dope. If like in twenty five years, that person like I don't know is running the shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, Damien, he is four billion dollars for saving my be life. Amazing. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, some things come around like that. Some don't. You know, you don't. You try. To, you don't think about a lot of it after the baby one sat with me for a while. Right. That one sat with me for a while. And the baby's all good now. Yeah, baby's all good. Nice, bro. So let's uh, we'll circle back. I guess to the you're talking about the comedy seller a little bit. How do you? How did you get involved in comedy? When did you wanna? When did you wanna start? So I just wanted to do it. Uh, back in high school, I used to go to shows. I, I loved comedy. In the city, you go to shows, or, or I was in, in New Jersey. It was a club, uh, Bananas, that's been there forever. Sure. Um, and were you working there when you went there? No, no. I just liked to be around it. Um, and then. When I went to college, like I said, after college, I, I never, I didn't want to come back to Jersey. So I just started working. So I kept pushing comedy off because okay. I was like, I need to make money so I could stay here and not go back. And then you, know, you start making money and then you have responsibilities and it's hard to figure out a time to go back, whatever. Then I ended up having a family. So it was like another thing that pushed it back. Yeah. Uh, but then I had cancer. And after I beat the cancer, uh, I was like, well, why the why fuck am I going to keep waiting? So oh, what kind of cancer? I just had ball cancer. It wasn't one of the major ones. Oh, okay. Ball yeah. cancer is not major? No, you don't really. I mean, unless you don't do anything about it, the chances of dying are very small. Okay. I think it sucks that you just have one now. But okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then after the cancer, I was like, why am I going to wait? Because shit could change any time. You could freaking die. Right. Lose another ball. Right. So I started at uh, 36, 37. Wow, dude. Good for you, bro. That's fucking yeah. dope, man. Yeah, think fun. about it. I mean, think about how many times you hear it's not too late. But nobody fucking believes that. People sometimes think that it's fucking too late. Samuel Jackson got his movie career started when he was 40, dude. Yeah. Nobody even knows that. And he's the highest grossing actor of all time. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if I'm wrong. Ted Jones popping up right here on Wikipedia if I'm wrong. But he's one of the. He's yeah, up and there. Dangerfield, I think he got a break at 57. Yeah, man. So, Do you ever go to his club on like 61st? I did. Paris? I did go one time. I never went inside. Yeah, I went one time. And then we're losing a couple. We're losing some of these bigger clubs in New York City because the rent is so damn high, dude. Yeah, I, I think everybody's just trying to make up for lost wages. During yeah, and the, yeah, there were three to six months where people where the you know you still had to pay the rent because the landlords yep. had to pay the taxes. Um, it's crazy, dude. How have you seen New York change? I guess since you started. Uh, well, I mean, I've been doing it very long, but you know, the the sensitivity in New York is crazy right now. Like, yeah, it's like I've done shows at the stand where like, you know, I'll be doing really well for like seven minutes, and I have a joke about a, a transgender midget. And the minute they, oh, can I say that? <laughs> you no, say I don't. No, I don't want to say. I don't want to say the punchline because it's pretty funny. But the point is, that <laughs> the minute they hear the word transgender midget, like yeah, 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 yeah the yeah. whole audience gets tight. Uh-huh. But then on the road, I'll do it and it kills. But it's in New York; it's just weird, you know. And then I'll talk to some some more established comedians that you know they have the same thing. Like you know, Mark Norman and and Joe List will say like sometimes they hate being on certain shows because when the audience is like twenty five year old females they'll get triggered by some of the stuff these guys are talking about. And it's like, it just takes the fun out of it. Instead of just listening to the joke, because that whole transgender midget joke, in the end, I'm actually pro everything. And I've been complimented by a transgender woman about the joke, how it's not offensive, and she thought it was hilarious. But what about a transgender midget, though? Well, that, That's what you need, you need I don't know that. how many there are. You yeah, know? Then, so, yeah, dude, exactly. You gotta get the praise from them. Yeah, that'd yeah. be good. But uh, that's what I'm saying, though. It's just people... Getting offended on behalf of other people is so aggravating. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think there's also something to be said. You know, like when you do the ro- the road, I've seen just from like your IG stories and shit. It's usually like a bigger kind of square black room, 
right? So I yeah. think people sometimes feel more comfortable laughing kind of at whatever when it's dark and you don't really see the person directly oh, sitting 100%. next to you. You know what I mean? Lighting and is it, big. Yeah, and then some of these places in New York, when the room is just not that big and people in New York are sometimes hoity-toity themselves, yep. maybe they want to watch what they're kind of laughing at. It's you know what I mean? It's so annoying. Because you know behind closed doors, they're making the they're same fucking inappropriate yeah, jokes dude. that everybody else is. <laughs> they're writing it down yeah. in their notepad. Yeah, dude. 100%. What's been a highlight um, of going on the road? Because I know you've been opening uh, for some pretty big comics. Talk about that. We're um, so working with. Excuse yeah, me. it's been cool. I mean, I've, I've worked, I've gone on the road with Jessica Kirsten, so. who's finally getting her dues. I mean, she's a beast, man. She's so funny. Uh, Paul Verzi, um, Capone, who's an urban room comedian. So again, your audience may not know him. <laughs> But uh, yeah. not Al Capone. <laughs> yeah, not Al Capone. It's just Capone, the gangster comedy, uh, hilarious, hilarious guy. Going to road a lot with him. Um, you know, we did some stuff with Hannah. Hannah's been fun. It's cool because they're all different audiences, so I get to oh yeah, you know, totally bro. stretch and learn and and grow and stuff like that. But I mean, I've been lucky where the people that I have gone on the road with are very um, uh, nurturing and mentoring to younger comedians. So like, I learned a lot with Jessica when I was on the road with her. Uh, Paul, same thing, just watching him work and develop his new hour has been awesome. Uh, Capone will take the time and sit, we'll go over new bits. You know, um, Hannah, she's grinding to grow. So it's like, there's just people, it's just, you learn from watching people and wh what their process is and how they grow and it helps you kind of figure out your own. Totally. Well said. How many minutes are you comfortable with on stage right now? Somebody was like, go up there, do your thing. Don't so, come off till you're done. Funny enough. I would have said 25 was a kill. Like I would do well for 25. And then uh, we did the Cleveland Improv, like a month and a half ago with Capone. Capone, yeah. And uh, they were driving out from New Jersey. I flew. Anything more than four hours, I'm flying. I don't drive more than four hours because I get annoyed. I get how, bored. How far was that drive? Six, seven hours, I think, for them. Maybe a little longer. Mm -hmm. So they were driving. It was the day of the snowstorm. So I feels was like on the brink, too, right? Yeah. Six or seven hours. Yeah. Now, I was there already at the club. Show starts at 730, 7 o'clock. I call the guys, the two openers that are coming, whatever, um, one guest spot, one opener. Where are they coming from? Uh, Jersey. So I'm like, hey, how's it going? They're like, bro, we only left like three hours ago or four hours, whatever it was. Like they what? weren't, yeah. Why didn't they leave on time? So they, Capone <laughs> decided that he wanted to help the, their, them to help him move apartments that day. So they were in charge of returning the U-Haul. Capone had already left. So I know these guys aren't making it. Oh, he had already left to come to Ohio. Yeah, Capone was already on the road, yeah. but they left after him. Right. So I'm like, all right, so they're not making the show. So I call Cap. But, bro, they still freaking were on the way yes. at three hours away? Yeah. Well, because we, we had five shows that week. And so they figured oh, if they okay. missed this, they'll This still, is Friday, uh, theoretically? For, yeah, yeah, Friday. Okay. So I'm there. I call Cap. I'm like, all right, well, Brandon and John aren't making it. Yeah. He goes, that's right. Listen, he goes, I'm going to be there, but I'm going to be a little late. Because I usually host for Capone. He's like, so instead of doing your 10 to 12, I need you to do like 20, 25, I'll be there. I'm like, cool. No problem. I got it. Show's 10 minutes away from starting. And, and it didn't start right at seven. No, no, no. Of course not. The black show. So, <laughs> Capone. Got a people town. Oh, I don't know if I could say, ah, I, already, say it. I already said it. It's fine. Yeah, you, you fed it to me. Keep Go ahead. It in. So, <laughs> clip it. Um, so, Capone calls like 10 minutes. Now, the manager's freaking out. He's like, where are these guys? And I'm like, oh, they're going to be here. Don't worry about it. I'm trying to keep the manager calm. Oh, because he didn't, nobody he was no, aware except for you. No, yeah, he had no idea. So it was just you in a, a, a theater of like 500 people at this point. Uh, that room holds three. Three. Yeah, okay. Three. Oh, yeah, improvs. Go ahead. So Capone uh, ends up having to get on the phone with the manager because the manager can't wait anymore. Calls Cap. Cap tells the manager, he's like, I'm going to be 20, 25 minutes late. Damien's going to do the full 25. I'll come in and then I'll just go from there. That's what the, so the manager comes over and tells me that. He goes, hey, this is what Capone told me. Cool. 
Two minutes after the manager walks away, before the show starts, we're about five minutes from showtime, Capone calls me. Hey, man, uh, I'm going to be late. I'm like, yeah, I know you told me. He goes, nah, I need you to do 45. Oh, my God. I've never done 45 before. When was this? Like a month and a half ago. Not even like in the mirror? Never by done yourself? 40, no, never done 45. So he says that to me. My, all my insides are just panicking. But on the phone with him, I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, I got you. He's like, this is your moment. 45. I'm like, fuck. All right. Manager comes over to me. He goes, he's coming in like 20, 25 minutes, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Just light me when he walks in the room and, I, and I'll get off. Oh, my God, dude. So I just go up and I end up doing fucking 45 minutes. Wow, for man. My first Good for you. That's great. How did it feel? It, it went well, man. It went well. I mean, I tried new shit that I had written like that week because I was just trying to throw stuff against the wall. I'm doing crowd work. I'm using all the stuff that I had. Like 45 minutes, yeah, man. Yeah. And the crowd, you felt like it was stuck with you? Yeah, no, they, it was great, man. They were like, taking pictures with me after and stuff. So How much time did uh, Capone do when he, he came in? He ended up in? going like an hour and 15 or something like oh, that. Oh, damn. And, yeah, yeah. But it was... Wow. My first 45. Unexpected circumstances, dude. Yeah. Two minutes before you go on stage. Yeah. That might be the best time, though, to figure out something like that. Because <laughs> you, you don't get worried. Yeah, you dude. You're go. like, I have to do 20 minutes more than I've ever done. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Go ahead. Pretty right much. now. You didn't really have any... Uh, thought process. Yeah, there. no, you can't panic too much. You're Did you like eat an enormous steak though, like before you went on? No, or I don't. Eat, I can't eat before I go Neither on. Do I do. Yeah, I, I can't cannot. do it. I haven't even eaten today, dude. Otherwise, I'd be like less sharp. Yeah, yeah. I you know what don't. I mean? I try and like put it in a window where it's a few hours before. Yeah, but you're like, like really good shape though. I'm just round. Thank you. Well, I mean, I think in general though, it helps like not go not eating right before you go on stage. So how's everything going with you, family wise though? Uh, I mean. With the kids, it's great. I got divorced yeah. recently, so that's probably... Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, man. It is what it is. Comedy is a tough thing for people to deal with. Totally. So, uh, but we're good. I mean, me and her are fine. We, we parent. We co-parent really well. Great. I spend a lot of time with the kids. So. You have a boy and a girl, if you don't I mind do. talking about yep. them? I have a boy and a girl. Is that like the best of both worlds? I feel like everybody wants a boy and a girl. They do, but nobody wants the girl first. Not because they girls are worse. You just, as a man, like you don't, you're always like, I just hope it's a boy. Did you have the girl first? Of course I had the girl first. <laughs> Right, because you're like, you don't want two girls. Yeah. So right, you let them get the boy out of the way. Right. Boom, now have whatever. But she's a handful, man. But no, they're good. She's uh, she's six, he's four. They're ginger kids. I don't know where the hell that comes from. Uh -huh. The red hair and green eyes, but no, they're, they're good, man. Where I mean, are your parents from? So uh, my mother's from Jersey. My father's from New York. They met in New York. Uh, they didn't stay together very long. That was not a good relationship. So he was out early. Um, and now he's back in my life, but I don't talk to my mother anymore. So it's just I've never had both parents in my life at the same time. Do they know or support your comedy career? Uh, my dad does. He's in it. And he's part of it. He was actually at my show last night. That's so, great. And um, he, so he lives close to you still? No, he, he lives in Queens. So like, uh, but he'll come up and help me with my kids and things like that. And then, you know, I brought him to the show. To, come to, to, he comes to your shows in New York? Yeah, he the train up. Yeah, sometimes he does. But he took the train up to Connecticut two nights ago because I had another show uh, in New Jersey. So he stayed with the kids. And then yesterday I took him to my show and then I took him home from there. Being a nomadic comedian, is it as difficult as you maybe think it was? Or what do you, how do you uh, get to the city back and forth? Because I know you said even last night you were out pretty late. Yeah, uh, I drive. I don't like to be at the mercy of any schedule. Plus, I don't know the fucking train in New York. I couldn't. It would take me forever to figure out, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, it's just I'm, I wasn't prepared for the fatigue. Like, I've learned now to operate on, like, three to four hours of sleep just because. Whoa. Well, I, again, like, so the show I had in Jersey, I went down to, to South Orange, New Jersey, did the show. Whatever. That's where my dad went to high school, Columbia okay. High School, by the way. Yeah, Kyrie Orange. Irving. Um, and then I went um, from there back into the city, and I was in Manhattan for a while. And then I got home at like three in the morning, and then my kids were up at six. So I get up with them, get them ready, because I don't want them to not have time with me. So I just like, whatever, I'll get up with them and 
Hey, I'll try to sneak in a nap. And then I had my show last night. Same thing. So. How long is that nap? If it's, if I can't sleep two hours, it's not a nap. Like I need two hours for the nap. You mean yeah, yeah, for a so nap. like three to four um, before they wake up and in night and then a nap after I that. I try to if I can. If I can, I try to. Damn, dude. Depends on what I have going on because sometimes I'm at the firehouse. That's the other thing. I'll get back from New York at two in the morning and then I gotta be at the firehouse the next morning for seven thirty. Are they pretty good about giving you your schedule? The firehouse? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, they, they don't really like the comedy thing because they feel like I've been disengaged at the firehouse since I've started doing it, which is not wrong. I mean, if I could give up the firehouse and make that money doing comedy tomorrow, totally. I'd be done. But, you know, I do my job when I'm there, but they hate that I take off so much for comedy and or I'm there and I'm dragging ass because I was out late the night before for comedy. But you know how it is, man. You got to take the, the offers when they come and you, know, you can't turn that shit down. Do your kids ever go to any of your shows? No, no. I am not kid friendly. Would you Would you mind though? Eventually, if like in five years? No, because I'm a pretty open person. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't. You gotta be. Dude. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'd mind when the kids get older. I just don't want to say shit down and have my kid going to school talking about transgender midgets. Yeah, or, <laughs> blowing your bit. Dude. Oh yeah, or any like racial jokes <laughs> that they make. So yeah, dude. What's been your best moment in comedy thus far? Uh the Apollo Theater. We did that with yeah, dude, talk about that because my boy freaking Drake just ran it down up there, dude. And then also shout out the girls got to eat girls who um actually did their show oh, there. Nice. Very cool. And now you, man. So now I got to make it up there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's cool, man. I mean, it was it was surreal because uh, I'd never been to a show at the Apollo. Never been to watch. Oh, neither have I. Neither have I. Um, so you you, know, you get we got there. So show I think was supposed to start at eight. We got there at like six thirty for sound check and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you walk in and uh, they lead you onto the stage to show you this is where it's gonna be, and it's just. 1,200 seats empty, and you're just standing on the stage looking, oh. and it says Apollo behind you, and the lights. It's a beautiful theater. Uh, Capone sold it out. With all, you know, 1,200 people packed out. Um, and then they take you to your dressing room, and you got, like, the little sign that says your name and, and stuff like that. And um, it was just a real, like, crazy. I mean, it's the most amount of people I performed in front of was 1,200. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just, it was crazy, dude. Like, that many people, that many, the laughing, like, it's just such a different energy when it's that many people laughing it's how much insane. time did you do on the show 12 up front and then i would do like three minutes in between each comedian i was hosting for hosting, it well wow. uh, which is also kind of crazy because being the first impression of the show like going from nothing to the house lights going down to the because we always travel with a dj with capone dj ty brand shout out ty uh so he does his thing and then he brings me up so i'm the first comedian that comes out so it was like I'm coming out to these 1,200 people. What kind of music do you come out to? You remember? Uh, yeah, I mean, I usually come out to some sort of hip hop, R and B thing, whatever. Just something that makes me happy. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's crazy, man. You get out there and you just look at the sea of people, and then you don't even see everybody. You can just see the first couple of rows, and yeah, it was fucking, it was nuts. Is Capone from Harlem? He is from the Bronx. He's from the Bronx, and then uh, now he lives in Atlanta. Well, he has two houses. You know, so happens when you're successful. Uh, you got Atlanta and New Jersey. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a really, like, he's got a nice cult following, like, whenever they go play, people love him. That's the other thing. I, I learned that quick. I don't know if anybody's ever told you this about doing comedy is the key is to get him to love you because when you get off stage, you could be funny as hell, but when you get off stage, if you're just funny, people be, oh yeah, you remember that comedian had that one joke about this thing and da, 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 whatever. And that's how they remember you. But if you get them to love you and, and just you endear yourself to them, they and they where they come up to you after and they just are praising you not for being funny but you like they identified with you they'll remember you forever the next time you come back they're coming so like people love Jessica Kirsten like they love her people love Paul Verzi people love Hannah obviously and people love Capone so I get to see all that early that was one of the things Capone told me 
Uh, he was like, listen, man, he's like, you need to endear yourself to these people. They need to love you. He's like, be a teddy bear on stage. Because like, I'm, you know, I'm not the biggest guy in the world, but I'm a big guy. And if I'm not smiling, I look like maybe I might not be a nice person. But he was like, listen, always smile, always be funny. Make them feel like comfortable with you. Make fun of yourself, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, that was one of the, like, the, the comedy lessons that Cap told me. was like, get them to love you and they'll remember you forever. Likeability, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's just it's it's weird. It's 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 so true. Like like I said, those four people that I've opened for on the road, like they all have that. People just want to be, you know. And I, but I've seen comedians that kill, you know. At some like I'll go to the Stress Factory, watch some shows. I'll see comedians that kill, and then people will come out, and just wave by, and keep walking. Like so, they acknowledge you you're funny, but they keep walking. And then with those four, people want to talk to them. They want to shake their hands, hug them, be around them. It's crazy. Do you have anything you're looking forward to coming in the next few months? Um, road a little bit yeah i mean i'm going to baltimore in like two weeks um we have a couple of theater things coming up in may and june that'll be fun uh down in like charlotte and atlanta i believe um but yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of spending like this time now trying to grow uh to a solid 45 like i want to try and get my like solid 45 by the end of this year that's kind of my goal um and then you know see where it takes me from there you kind of have a plan after you get to that 45, releasing something on YouTube no, or streaming? I'm not going to put anything out. I, I, I know it works for some people. I don't have a following like that. I think if you have a following, it works. I think just putting it out there because you're done with it, it it's not. I mean, to me, I don't, I'm not shit on anybody that did it. Like, I feel like if you don't have a following, you're just putting it out there. Now you've just burned material, hoping someone discovers it. I think, like, the reason it worked for guys like List and Norman and Gillis is because they were already popular. And just they just took control of that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens with the one-time fee for an HBO Max and Amazon or Hulu, Netflix, as opposed to you know you mentioned those guys' names, uh, just consistently getting money each month from however many hits the YouTube right. channel gets of that particular. Um, but again, again, there's different I, there's different situation. paths. Like I know, so the other, the thing I am looking forward to, I'm supposed to be doing some more dates with Verzi this summer. I mean this year, sorry. So that'd be kind of cool going out with him some more. Um, but even listening to him, like he's doing his Netflix thing and, you know, um, how that works for him. Because he, you know, he didn't really do anything on YouTube. He's just now developing his social media presence on YouTube and things like that with his podcast. But so it's just weird. Like everybody has different paths. Yeah. Sure. What about you? What do you got coming up? Anything good? Um, Ted Jones Comedy Show just happened this past Thursday as we're releasing this. It is Monday. I, can't, I forget what day. I think it's like the... February 12th today, maybe, as we're listening to this. Maybe as you're listening to this back. second, actually. No, I know, but as oh. we release oh, it. Oh, shit, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. I can't keep up. I'm tired. <coughs> well, we're in, in the future right now, man. Uh, stuff coming up, you know, Ted Jones Comedy Show, the How's podcast, the vlog. The it's venue. cool, man. You got to stop by. We'll get you on the show. Uh, but it's dope. Love working with the, the hotel. They're great to us. And the room is pretty cool. It's not like a full proper comedy room. But it's like an upstairs at the stand kind of situation, you okay. know, like bougie type drinks, uh, good crowd. Uh, but we've had two shows so far or three as I'm as I'm telling you guys this right now. But um, I assume that they've yeah, they've all done well, man. So it's nice. fun. Just I think in general, kind of crafting um, a show and kind of having your own thing uh, is important. And being able to do as much time as you'd like is also great. And a situation where you do 45 when you're not expecting it, rarely comes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and that's, that's a, a beautiful situation. thing. But <laughs> I think it, you know, it's unheard of to do 45 minutes unless you're the headliner. And it's really unheard of, I think, to do more than, well, what would you say? Probably 20 or 25 yeah, I minutes? Yeah, think, I think everybody, instead of, instead of trying to rush to be a headliner, I think everybody should 
try to work on your 20 to 25 and make sure that that kills for 20 to 25. Yeah, and that'll take, like, in my opinion, probably like two years, oh, to, at, at least, least two or three, yeah, to, yeah. to get mean, up to that point where you're comfortable. Well, then you t- and you talk to some of the more established comedians, you know, the people like the kind of people that do, I don't know, like Madison Square Garden or something, and you think you're 25's killer, and they're like, yeah, but the shit you're talking about doesn't matter. And then you realize there's another level to what you're doing. So like, you come up with this funny 25, but then you realize, oh, yeah, I'm really just... There's a dick joke here. There's this there. There's a racial joke here. But like, there's another level of people who can actually talk about real shit. And that's the next, the next thing you try to get to after you figure that out. Was there a moment when you got like your first ten minutes and you were like, "All right, I'm ready to hit the road." Like, how did the how did your connection with Capone come about? And then so, also your other people that you've um, all weird circumstances, man. Hannah's was the shortest, so I'll start with that one. So Hannah, I, I went because she came to Connecticut. I went to watch and hang out with you guys. We were all hanging out in the green room. We all had a good time. And she was just like, hey, you're a lot of fun. Why don't you come open for me? Because with Hannah, her fans pack out the room. So it doesn't matter if the host and feature suck. She knows that they're going to have a great time because they're there to totally. see her. Totally, yeah. So she just blindly gave it to me. Like, oh, why don't you just come to... <laughs> I'm sure she knew you were funny. But, you know, like, she never... potential, at least. Yeah, she never saw me, is what I'm saying. So it was just kind of like this, like, hey, we vibe. You know, um, you looked out for me, whatever. Come here and, and do... I think the next one was uh, Jersey. So I was like, cool. So I went to Jersey, Distress Factory there, and then she I did a good job, and she had me come up to uh, the Providence Comedy Connection. That was a fun night, and you know we did good shows that night. Um, Capone was coming up. You know what? I'll go with him last because he's a longer story. I'm trying to wrap this shit up quick. <laughs> so um, Verzi, same thing, man. Just t- uh, time and place, being around. Like you always talk about the hang and all that kind of stuff. And um, Paul and I were talking sports at the Stress Factory again in Connecticut. Uh, him and I were the only ones watching Nick game, which is bullshitting back and forth. Our appreciation for sneakers, blah, blah, blah. Johnny Starks. Yeah. And then um, he had come, he was there for a different show. And then he had come back up and I went and opened up there and he liked what I did. And then him and I had a lot of conversations at the stand and just, you know, we get along with it. We have the same mindset a lot, you know, with the kids and sports and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, just hitting it off through that. And he's had me come out and like, I've, I've been fortunate enough to get laughs in front of him where he's like, okay, I'm comfortable having you come on the road. Uh, Jessica, same deal, man. The way it happened with Jessica was at the Stress Factory, same thing. She came out. Uh, I opened for her, did well. But what did it was she was on stage the first night, and some drunk asshole screamed out, show me your tits to her. And now Stress Factory doesn't have security, really. So I went, stood behind the guy with my arms folded like that. And Jessica looked, saw me standing behind the guy, gave me a nod, and she just went in on this guy and like just destroyed him with crowd work. And um, we went back in the room and she goes, listen, she goes, I hope you know that I went that hard because I knew you wouldn't let anything happen to me. So then she started bringing me a couple of places and same thing. Um, Which, by the way, one of the coolest things I ever, ever saw Jessica do. We were at Atlantic City uh, at the theater that uh, Cambridge Hotel or whatever it is out there. I think New York Comedy Club does it. On stage at theater, so we're watching, and there was this drunk girl in the crowd. She was being super annoying. Her short version is her and Jessica get into it to the point that Jessica tells her, you don't fucking talk to me like that, you cunt. Screaming from the stage. They're going at it. No security again. So me and this manager who, uh, this girl Amy is one of the managers there. Um, short thing, but like does jujitsu and shit, so she was ready to go. <laughs> so we go over, we're trying to kick this girl out, and uh, the, the boyfriend doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to get up. He's just standing there. So finally, I'm like, dude, let's just, like, you're holding up the show. Let's go. So he yells at Jessica, whatever you fucking, uh, I don't even want to say the K word for Jews. Ay, ay, ay. Screamed it at her. So now I get in his face. I'm like, now you have a choice. You walk out now or I drag you the fuck out. So he puts his hands up. He leaves. 
their whole room is tense. Jessica's mom is there watching the show. These people just heard a racial slur. <laughs> heard Jesus. women screaming constantly. It was this shit show for like three minutes. Yeah. It took Jessica maybe 45 seconds to get that room back under control and laughing again. It was the most impressive shit. Because I'm like, how are you going to recover from this? There was almost a fight. It was everything. Literally in less than a minute, she had the whole room back on board, loving her and laughing again. Circling back to likability. Insane. You got to be about the hang (laughs) and you got to be likable. David Speranza, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. Appreciate it, Thank you for having me. So many freaking stories. You're going to see this guy on the Ted Jones comedy show soon. And Damien, before we get out of here, we're going to pop up your Instagram right here. So shout it out, please, so we can follow you. Uh, Damien S. Comedy. It's D-A-M-I-E-N. S. Comedy on Instagram. Absolutely. Damien, we'll see you soon. Peace, Peace, guys. guys.